On October 3rd, the Human Rights Foundation's community came together for the 2022 Oslo Freedom Forum in New York. Guests from all corners of the globe gathered at the historic Town Hall Theater to listen to the stories of brave activists and learn about today's most pressing human rights issues. Welcome to Dissidents and Dictators, a series of conversations by the Human Rights Foundation dedicated to exposing and challenging authoritarianism around the world. This episode was recorded during the 2022 Oslo Freedom Forum in New York, a global gathering of activists and dissidents united in standing up to tyranny. Since 2009, individuals have come from across the world to educate, share, and inspire at the Oslo Freedom Forum. You can watch this programming and more on the Oslo Freedom Forum YouTube or Facebook pages. On February 24, 2022, Putin launched an all-out invasion of Ukraine, intensifying his eight-year-old war and causing endless death and destruction. And yet, with bravery and ingenuity, Ukrainians are fighting back. Oleksandra Matvichuk is leading Ukrainian civil society to stand up for peace and democracy on the front lines of freedom. Right now, I'm going to put a, a photo on the screen. If you cannot look at horrible things, I could kindly ask you to close your eyes for a few seconds. This photo was captured with a smartphone three weeks ago in Izum. It's a small settlement near the border with Russia. Its population amounts to 48,000 people. For six months, they were occupied by Russians. The city was liberated only in September. The mass graves of people killed by Russians, both civilians and military, were found in the forest. Entire families, including children, were laying in those burials. Many of them have not been identified yet. In that photo of the murdered person, you can see they were wearing the wrist bracelets with blue and yellow, the colors of the state flag of Ukraine. I wear the identical bracelet. I myself could have been laying in such a grave too. I spent a month and a half under Shalin in Kiev, surrounded by Russian troops. After they retreated, we found civilians' bodies in the streets and in the yards of their own households. The same mass graves were found in Bucha. I still can remember that smell. You can close your eyes for a few seconds and avoid looking at this horrible photo. However, it's impossible for the millions of people in Ukraine. We are not able 
to switch off the war. Our lives have turned into this horror. Russia uses war crimes as the methods of warfare. Russia strives to break people's resistance and to occupy the country by inflicting the immense pain on civilians. We document this pain. In just seven months, our joint efforts, we have documented 19,000 war crimes. I have interviewed hundreds of people who survived captivity. They told me how they were beaten, raped, and electrically shocked through their genitalia. Their nails were torn away, their knees were drilled. They were compelled to write with their own blood. One lady reported how her eye was dug out with a spoon. There is no military justification for such actions. Russians did these horrific things only because they could. And I ask myself the questions. Whom do we document all of it for? For decades, Russian troops have been committing war crimes in Chechnya, Moldova, Georgia, Mali, Syria, Libya, and enjoying impunity. They even got away with chemical weapons attacks against civilians in Syria. They believed they could do whatever they wanted. The Ukrainian legal system is overloaded with an extreme amount of war crimes. But the International Criminal Court restricts its investigation to just several select cases. Hence, who will give all victims of this war a chance for justice. This war turned people into the numbers. I noticed that I myself started to speak more with numbers than with names. The scale of war crimes grows so large that it's become impossible to recognize all the stories but I will tell you one. Shortly after the invasion began on February 24th, Alexander Shelipov, a 62-year-old civilian, was killed by the Russian military near his own house. This tragedy did receive huge media coverage only because it was the first court trial. In the court, Alexander's wife, Katerina, shared that her husband was an ordinary farmer, but he was her whole universe. 
And now she's lost everything. At that moment, I realized the key meaning of justice. We must ensure justice for all, regardless of who the victims are, the level or type of cruelty they endured, or whether or not media is interested in their cases. We need to return on people their names, because the life of each person matters. I work with people who have survived hell, and I'm certain that above and beyond their ruined lives, families, and vision of the future, these people crave to restore their trust that justice exists, even though delay in time. It's crucial not only for Ukraine. This war has a distinct value dimension. Putin is not afraid of NATO. Putin is afraid of the idea of freedom. If we do not stop Putin in Ukraine, he will go further. This is not the war of the two states. This is a war of two systems, authoritarianism and democracy. And Putin attempts to convince the whole world that freedom and democracy are fake values. If they are genuine, why do they fail to protect anyone? Why do the international mechanism of human rights not work? Why did the all UN guarantees fail to save one medic, Victoria Abidina, who had been separated from her four-year-old daughter in the course of evacuation from Azovstal and who has been sent to filtration camp and is still there? Why do I, the human rights lawyer, who has been applying the law for defend people for more 20 years, presently have to answer to the question of how to contribute to people's survivals in the occupied territories by saying, provide Ukraine with weapons. Because for now, the law doesn't work. Although, I trust that it's temporary. In 20th century, the civilized world made a significant step to establish law and justice. At the Nuremberg trials, war crimes perpetrators were tried after when the Nazi regime was collapsed. In 21st century, we must move further. Justice must be independent from the magnitude of Putin's regime's power. We cannot wait. We have to establish an international tribunal now and hold Putin and other war criminals accountable. Yes, it's a courageous step.
but we have one strong argument. We must do it because it's a right thing to do. After September's defeat in Ukraine, Putin announced further military mobilization in Russia. The Kremlin plans to recruit an additional hundreds of thousands of people and send them to the war. I'm scared of losing people I love. But we have no choice. We will never give up. If we stop fighting, there will be no more us. We are fighting for freedom in all senses and for the right to have a democratic choice. And we are paying a high price for this. I have one appeal to you. I know there are many issues has, which had no state borders. Human pain is one of them, as well as freedom and human solidarity. Support our struggle. Make our voice tangible. Demand justice together with us. Tie blue and yellow ribbon on your wrist in support of everybody who is fighting for freedom of Ukraine. Common people have a much greater impact than they can even imagine. That's why I don't ask you for money. I ask you for something bigger. The joint voice of common people in different countries could make the world history change quicker than UN intervention. As a matter of fact, you do not need to be a Ukrainian to support Ukraine. You just need to be a human. Thank you.